people are funny, aren't they? We are, we are church people. I can tell you guys are excited to eat fish today. It's come up in a few conversations already this morning. And the most frequent question that I have fielded to this point is, are you going to preach shorter today because of the fish? And my answer has been consistent. I make no promises today. <laughs> I took the time to come to church to hear from the Lord, and I intend to hear from the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you today. Uh, I, don't, I know a lot of you aren't Facebookers. Uh, but those of you who are, hopefully you saw the picture I posted last night of all of, of the older gentleman and his wife that had taken their masks off and their face was sun tan except for where the mask was. I said, I'm excited to see all of you in the Lord's house today. I'm thankful that the Lord has brought us to this point. And I'm thankful that we can take the masks off and, and that we can have a little more liberty. Now listen, I know we still have some people who will be wearing masks, and we, we want you to feel free to do that. I know that some have um, problems with allergies and things of that nature, and it helps you. We don't want you to feel intimidated by those of us who may not be wearing a mask any longer. But as you well know, the mask mandate in Kentucky has expired. And uh, I know some this morning said, I thought that's just for vaccinated people. It was at first, but now it's for everyone. And so we will not be requiring it anymore. We will not be taking your temperature anymore. Um, we, would, we would anticipate and hope that you would still use wisdom and uh, we're going to go forward from here. And let me just take just a moment. Now, those of you who are here today, I want you to disregard what I'm about to say. Just act like I'm not talking for just a moment. I want to talk to all of those of you who are out there in Facebook land and YouTube and BoxCast. I want to say to you this morning, I appreciate so much your faithfulness over this, this last year and a few months, and you've, you've been online, and you've been worshiping right along with us. And for some of you, you're going to have to continue to do that for a while. Uh, Patty Wilson, I know that you're watching me this morning, and I know that you're laying there in your hospital bed with a broken hip. And it's impossible for you to get to the Lord's house today because of that. I understand that. And we're praying for you today that there will come a day when you'll be able to slide out of that bed and have Doug bring you down here to the Lord's house. But until that time, you're going to have to be at home. I know that there are others that for whatever reasons you've felt like you needed to stay home. But there's another whole group of people that you've just gotten used to having church in your, your pajamas. And you like sitting on the couch and having your coffee and your bagel while we're here singing and having church. And I would just like to say to you this morning that it's time for you to come back. You need to be in the Lord's house Scripture tells us that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, such is the manner of some, and particularly in the last days. I know that you know that we're living in the last days. And so I want to encourage you and invite you to come back. But I'm not going to be talking about this every week. This is my opportunity to say to you, those of you who are listening to me online, I'm inviting you to come back. If you're a member of the church, I am encouraging you to take your spot back in the house of the Lord. But I also want you to know that whether you choose to do that or not, we're moving forward because God has a great plan for our church. And we want to be involved in all that God is wanting to do through us. And so we're going to go on. If you, when you do come back, your seat is filled by someone else. 
fill out a visitor's card and let us know who you are and find a different seat because we're moving on. I hope you don't feel like I'm being mean to you, but the body of Christ needs you. And you need the body of Christ. So I'm inviting you to come and rejoin us in the next few weeks. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, there's an old song that we used to sing a few years ago, and I, I want to sing a little bit of it. And if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. I prepared my heart today for the Lord to do in me what he desires to do. And I want to be prepared, and I want to be ready to receive all that he has for me. And so I'm going to reach out and touch him as he passes by. I want you, if you will, just join me and stand one more time. And let's sing this little chorus that says, Reach out and touch the Lord as he seated beside the road and Jesus comes walking by and the Bible says that he yelled out to him he called out to Jesus why did he do that because he had a great need in his life and he had tried everything that he could try and there was no hope the last hope for him was Jesus and they turned to him and they said shut up man this is not the time for you to be making a scene. Be quiet. Don't bother the master. And the Bible says he yelled out even louder to the master. Let me tell you, there's some people in this house right now who have a need that is so deep and so difficult that if I were in your shoes, I'd be crying out to Jesus and saying, Oh, Lord, I need your help. We're going to sing this a couple of more times. And as we sing it, I want you to verbalize to Jesus how much you need him. As we sing this song, reach out to him. Are you ready? Reach out and touch the
Uh, Father, we come to you now in thanking you that you've supplied every need that we'll ever have. It may seem impossible. It may seem like that there's no resource available. But we need sometimes to remember that you said that you call those things that are not as though they were. And you've given us the authority by faith to call those things that are not as though they were. So today, Lord, right now in this moment, as men and women are crying out to you, I pray that those things that they have not been able to touch and those resources that they have not been able to take hold of will materialize in their lives in this very moment. And Lord, we will be careful to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and tell him thank you for the resources that he's going to provide you. And then you can be seated this morning. Three weeks ago, we started a series of messages that we've entitled Unexpected Heroes. Bill, give me just a little bit, if you will, in the monitors. Pastor Jonathan did a wonderful job last Sunday talking about Miriam and uh, what a great message that hit that was. And uh, then uh, Pastor Rob did a wonderful job two weeks ago preaching about Enoch. Amen. And today we're going to take a, a little different uh, direction. We're going to talk about one of my favorite uh, characters in Scripture, a young man by the name of Joseph. Now, you remember who Joseph is, and while I'm talking about him and introducing, why don't you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. We're going to talk about Joseph. You remember hearing about Joseph when you were young and in, in Sunday school, probably. The thing that probably comes to your mind first is the coat of many colors. How many of you remember that? His father um, created and made for him a coat of many colors that, that was magical in that when Joseph put that coat of many colors on him, it made him look like Donny Osmond. Uh, you obviously haven't seen the show that Donny Osmond was in with the coat of many colors. I'm just kidding. There was nothing magical about it. Uh, in fact, some scholars believe that it wasn't so much colorful as it was creative in that the different sections of the coat were made to send a message to people that Joseph had certain authority. You, do you remember when the uh, Good Samaritan, or not the Good Samaritan, when, uh, when, when the, uh, oh, what's the kid's name that left home early <laughs> and, came, and came home? Thank you very much, the prodigal son. When he came home, I'm thinking about fish still. Lord, get my mind off the fish and on the Word of God. The prodigal son came home, and his father created what? A royal robe for him. And that robe was symbolic of the authority that he now possessed. So the, the coat that Joseph wore was similar in that it sent a message to people that he had certain authorities that were granted him by his father, Jacob. So let's look at this passage of Scripture, and then let, let's open our mind to what the Lord wants to say to us today. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 21 says, But Joseph said to them, Do not fear... For am I in the place of God? In other words, am I acting in my words as God would? Verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now, what we want to talk about today is the fact that it is possible to live a life that is full of pain and yet still be productive in the kingdom of God. God is able to take our pain and turn it all around 
for his glory. The things that the enemy means for evil, the things that the world means for evil, God is able to turn that around and turn it for good, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others as well. So let's talk about this idea of pain today. The reality is that, is that pain is a part of our lives. It's, it's part of being a part of a fallen world. It, it is real. Everyone at some point in their life will feel a sense of pain. Not only physical pain, but emotional pain, spiritual pain. It touches all areas of our being. But pain is a reality. For some of you, it is the bitterness of a divorce. For others, it is the aggravation of a health issue or a health problem. For some, it is the loss of a loved one, such as a child or a spouse or a close friend. For others, it's the disappointment of having to live every day of your lives in poverty from penny to penny from dollar to dollar and you've never quite been able to find that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and every day of your life is rubbing nickels together and it can be painful at times to have to experience that and sometimes it's the emotional baggage of having become bankrupt in your life i could go on and on talking about the various things that we have to struggle with, but the reality is that in this, in this fallen world that we're part of, pain is a reality. So today we're going to talk about Joseph and the pain that he dealt with in his life. Now we know that Joseph, Joseph's life had several movements that he had to walk himself through. For instance, he was a part of a family, a dysfunctional family. He lived in what we would call a family feud. You know the story. When he was very young, he had a dream about how that his brothers at some point in their lives would bow before him. And he told them what the dream was. And from the moment that he told them what the dream was, they plotted to take his life. And they intended to kill Joseph. But because of the wisdom of one of the older brothers, they said rather than killing him and having to tell our father about his death, why don't we just sell him as a slave? They put him in a pit until some slave traders came by. They got him out and he was sold uh, into slavery. He landed in a house um, by a guy who was... Potiphar, and by uh, he was a man of great authority, and 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 he he was he had position, and he bought Joseph and put him in his house and over his house, and you know the story about how that Potiphar's wife took a look at Joseph. And she said, man, he looks like Donny Osmond. I, I need to have him. I, I want him. I desire him. And you know how that she made uh, advances toward him. And some guys might have fallen for that trap, but not Joseph. He kept his holiness in that moment. And he ran even to the point that when he ran, he left his clothes behind as she was tugging and pulling on his, his garment. And so he, she told Potiphar that he raped me and he took advantage of me. And you know how that Potiphar took him and put him in the dungeon and put him in prison. And now we move on to another story in his life. He was there for many years. While he was there, God favored him. And the, the chief jailer saw something in Joseph that no one else saw. And so he gave him freedoms and gave him liberties and gave him authority so that he could run certain things within, within uh, the prison. And, and so he, he met a baker and he met a butler while he was in there. And, uh, he, he, you know, he, he made relationships and friends with them. And one of them uh, 
eventually got his freedom and was restored to the house of Potiphar. And Joseph told him, he said, when you are restored, don't forget about me. But when he went back to his old life, he forgot about Joseph. And so here he is. He has a forgetful friend to go along with the false accusations of life and with the family feud that he had already been a part of. And then the scripture tells us that they asked him to uh, interpret a dream that had come to Potiphar, to to the ruler. And uh, he came and he gave him this crazy little picture about fat cows and skinny cows. And how there would be fat cows for a period of time which represented feast, represented more than enough. But then he said that there would be these skinny little cows that would come out of nowhere and they would eat the fat cows. That's the way it's going to be for us when we go to Mike Lenning's today. Going to be some fat cows over there, but we skinny little clouds, uh, cows are going to come over and take control of that place. And what he was saying is, is that there will be a time of feast, but then it will be followed by a time of famine. And so we've got to start now making preparation for the time when famine comes. And so he was raised to a place of authority. And because of his position and because of his wisdom and because of the anointing of God upon his life, Joseph was, was able to create a plan that would allow them to experience and have more than enough when the famine came. And then at the very end, we know that his brothers came and because they had need for food and he looked out and he saw his brothers and he could have been angry with them and he could have said, I'm going to take out my frustrations on you. But you know the story about how that he stepped behind the curtain and he looked out and the Spirit of God overshadowed him and he began to weep and cry and he extended forgiveness to the very ones who had put him in the position that caused him to experience pain for many, many years of his life. Now, some of you who are sitting and listening to me this morning have experienced that kind of life. You've experienced pain. It has come to you in a variety of ways, but you have learned to live your life through pain. I want you to know that what the enemy meant for harm, God can turn it around for your good. Amen. And so God did that for Joseph. And I want to share four thoughts with you this morning about Joseph's life. Lessons that we can learn from him. And the first one is this. God did not cause your pain. How easy it is for us to blame God for the difficulties in our lives. I'm always amazed at the Israelites and how that every time something went wrong, they were always about blaming God. They didn't mind accepting his blessings. They didn't mind accepting his provision. But you let one thing go wrong, and all of a sudden, they were upset with God. Why would God do this? God, why would God do that? Why did God put me in this position? Listen, you need to understand that God did not cause your pain. He came to give you eternal and abundant life. The devil came to, to destroy you, but he came to give you abundant life. So where does this pain come from? Well, hold on and listen. It might have happened because I am responsible for my own pain. I may have caused my own pain by, by my negligence and, and by my ignorance and by my stubbornness. And by my own stupidity, I know that some of you parents don't like to use that S word, stupid. Sometimes we're just stupid, amen? Sometimes we just do things that make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and we cause our own problems. I've known people through the years that they're their own worst enemies. I've known pastors through the years, and when I was in state work, 
uh, there were a couple of guys that, I don't know, somehow I followed them from state to state to state. They were in Illinois when I was there. Then they were in Michigan when I was there. And they were in West Virginia when I was there. I don't know how they got there. But everywhere they went, they created some kind of trouble for themselves. They just could not keep their nose clean, as my mom would say. She'd say, son, keep your nose clean. I'm not sure exactly what that means in spiritual terms, but they didn't know how to do it. And sometimes we create our own difficulties by the way that we live and by the way that we talk. Perhaps it was someone else that caused our pain. Perhaps someone else got involved in our life in a way that brought great pain to us. And it would be very easy for us to blame them all the days of our lives. Well, I blame this one, and I blame that one, and I blame this one, and I blame that one. Because if they hadn't done this, if they hadn't said that, if they hadn't taken this, if they hadn't have been there, then I wouldn't have to experience all this. But listen. I'm telling you, even though there may be other people who have crossed your path that cause difficulty and pain to come into your life, God can take that and turn it around and turn it for good in our lives. So maybe I cause my pain, and maybe others cause my pain, and maybe the devil caused our pain. I've already said the devil hates us, and he wants to kill you, destroy you, and steal from you every opportunity that he gets. Don't become a friend of the devil because he's your enemy. Don't believe his words because even if he gives you a little bit of truth, he will never give you the whole truth because he is a liar and the father of all lies. The devil is out to destroy you because he hates it when you are in fellowship with God. And when you get close to God, let me tell you, the devil is going to ramp up the heat. I've heard people say through the years, well, if the devil's going to ramp up the heat, why don't I just keep my distance from God a little bit? You know, why should I go to church? Why should I be a Christian? Why should I read the Word? Because it's going to challenge me to, to go to higher levels in my life. And when I go to higher levels, the devil's going to come after me. And, and he's going to try to kill me and steal me and destroy from me. Why can't I just live peacefully in my own little cubby hole over here and just let God be God and I'll be who I am? Listen, I want you to know it is worth every ounce of energy that you will put forth to stay close to God because God is the one who will bless you and protect you. He is your portion in the land of the living, the psalmist said, which means that he will give you the portion that has been provided for you if you will trust him. So God didn't cause it. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You probably know this and have memorized it. It says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Now some translations change that up a bit and they, they insert two words into the scripture. And I like it because what they say is we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. You ought to write that in your Bible. Right there, insert it between the words that and all. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What does that mean? Well, it means this. In the midst of our difficulty, when all hell has been released and, 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 and put in our direction, that God gathers heavenly resources that when they are blended together, produce a positive outcome. I think that might be on the screen. God gathers heavenly resources that when blended together produce a positive outcome. I don't know how you are, but when I get up and get dressed in the morning, I like to gather all my stuff together before I start getting dressed because I have a system. You know, there are certain things that I put on first. 
When I go in the restroom, there are things that I do first. I brush my teeth first. I can't even stand my own breath if I don't brush my teeth. So that's high on the priority list for me. And I know, and I put my toothbrush out here, and I put my razor out here. I put my deodorant out here. I don't put my deodorant on first because that would be out of order for me. So I lay it all out, and I get it all together, and then I begin this process. And then I go to my bedroom, and I've got all my stuff, all the elements of my dress for the day. Sometimes I do it the night before, especially on Saturday nights. I don't like for my head to have to worry about what I'm going to wear on Sunday morning. Yesterday, I knew I was eating fish today. I knew it was going to be close to 90 degrees. I knew it's going to be hot, and I decided that I was going to dress cool today. Somebody said, you should have worn your shorts, and I said something to the effect, don't tempt me, because I would have been willing to do that. I put my pants out, and I put my shirt out, and I put my undershirt out, put my drawers out, I put my socks out, got my shoes ready, and I'm ready to go. I didn't have to ask anybody. I didn't have to look around in the drawer and get everything upset and get my mind off. I was ready. I had already caused all things to come together on Saturday because I knew I was coming to church on Sunday. Now, I know that's a silly illustration, but let me tell you something. God knows exactly where you are and what you're going through and what you have need of. And God doesn't wait around for you to say, God, will you help me? God starts looking at you and he says, well, I know that he or she is going to face this and that on this day. And so I'm going to get the resources pulled together so that in the minute, uh, in the moment when they cry out to me, I can say, here it is delivered to you, given to you. So God does not cause your pain. Secondly, God provides grace for your pain. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. A little later on, Paul writes to the Philippian church in chapter 4 and verse 13, and he says this, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. My mom used to look at me and sometimes I'd say, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. When I was a little kid, I didn't really understand this very well, but she'd always look at me and say, can't, never, did, nothing. I don't know if you've ever heard that before or not, but she used to say, can't, never, did, nothing. And now that I'm an adult, I know exactly what she's talking about. I know people who say, I can't live for Jesus. I can't be a Christian. I can't be a church attender. I can't do this, and I can't do that. I can't overcome. You're right. As long as you declare that I can't do this, and I can't be that, then you'll never amount to anything. But I'm telling you, sometimes we've got to change the words that flow out of our mouths and say, like Paul said, I can do all all things through Christ who strengthens me. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Many years ago, I preached a message that said where to go, what to get, and when to get it. That's all you need. And that verse, where to go? To the throne of grace. What to get? Mercy and grace. When to get it? In the time of need. There you go. You got two sermons today and you weren't even counting on it. So you don't have to tithe twice today. Just take the word and receive it into your heart. 
It says that we can obtain mercy, which is compassionate treatment in the time of need. Listen, there are times that God needs to do what he's going to do right this very minute. There are times that he has to deliver you right now. There are times that he needs to heal you right now. There are times that he needs to step between you and your spouse right now. There are times that you need wisdom right now. There are times that God has to do the work that he's going to do right now. But there are other times that God says, I'm going to give you grace. I'm not going to take that thorn in the flesh away from you, Paul, but I tell you what, my grace is sufficient for you. That which I'm going to provide for you to see you through this moment and see you through this season will be more than enough for you. God, I want more. I want more. I want to be confident. Oh, yeah, you've got it. Whatever you need, I will give to you. Anthony Pelt was one of our preachers at camp meeting this week. He is a black man from Florida. And uh, Anthony, I've known for several years, and Anthony only has one speed, and, it, and it's full speed. It's like when he hits the pulpit, I mean, he's going full speed. And the organist behind him, I mean, <clears throat> there's only one speed. But he said something that impacted my life. He's talking about Gideon and how the Lord said, you don't need 32,000 men. You don't need that. You need fewer than that. And you know the story, how that God whittled it all the way down. And when he whittled it all the way down, the point was this. It may not look like much, but it's more than enough. And I thought I was going to shout in that tavern. Now, I'm not much of a shouter. I, you know, sometimes I got to crank myself up to get a good shout going. But something happened in my spirit. Can, can I tell you why? It's because we've been through this COVID nonsense for over a year. And I have been begging and pleading people to come back to church. I've sent them notes. I have sent them letters. I have sent them texts. I've sent them everything in the world I can to hopefully spur them to want to come back to church. And here we are still now recovered, but people that just can't get themselves out. They can go to Walmart. They can go to work. They can go to the baseball games. They can go to the restaurants. They can go anywhere in the world they want to go, but they can't for some reason come to the house of the Lord. And this preacher was at a place where I'm saying, God, I don't know what I'm going to do to get them to come back. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, many of them will never come back again. So what are you going to do? And in that moment, Pastor Pelt said, it may not look like much, but it will be more than enough. It may not look like much, but it'll be more than enough. And so when I look around our church building and I see these empty chairs and this brown fabric, I say in my mind, it may not be much, but it's more than enough. It may not be full, but it's full enough for us to accomplish what God has called us to do. I'm telling you today that there may be times in your life when it seems like your resources are sparse, but I want to remind you, that we serve the God who owns the cattle of a thousand hills. And he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to his power that works in us. Amen. God provides. So grace is God's ability within me to withstand any and every temptation, trial, and test. Say it again. Grace is God's ability within me to withstand any and every temptation, trial, and test. I have a friend. His name is Steve Holder. Known him for years. Plays saxophone and sings and travels everywhere and just, just wonderful. He's a great guy. A few years back, he went in to have his physical and they ran all these tests, and they said, look, at your age, we need to make sure that we've got everything uh, under control and known. So they took all these MRIs and CT scans and, 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 you know, all the stress tests and all that kind of stuff. And they came back and they said, Mr. Holder, said, we have, sat, we have found something that gives us concern. 
around your heart. Said we think it's a blockage, so we need to run some additional testing. And so they ran some additional testing and they came back and they said, it is a blockage. And so we're going to need to go in and we're going to need to do a surgery that will bypass that blockage in your heart. And so he said, well, if that's what we need to do, then that's what we'll do. But before we do that, I want to pray. I want to get my prayer partners with me. I want to make sure that everything's prayed over and everything's good to go. So as it approached the time for him to receive this bypass surgery, they did some additional testing and, 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 and you know, I don't know what all that they do, but they, they were looking and, and they came back to him and they said, Mr. Holder, you're not going to believe this. Said, but your body has created a natural flow of blood around that blockage. It said the blockage is still there. Said, but you have grown additional arteries and veins that are carrying the blood completely around the blockage. And said, it is a natural phenomenon. And Steve looked at him and he said, natural to you, but supernatural to me. So here's what I'm saying to you. It may not look possible to you. It may look difficult to you. It may look like it can't happen. But in the very moment when you think uh, that things are worse than they've ever been before, God is able to step in on the scene and work a supernatural effect on your life. Amen. Thirdly, God will bring gain from your pain. God will bring gain from your pain. Now notice back in verse 20 in Genesis chapter 50, he said, you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result, which is the survival of many people. Now listen, Joseph had to sit in that prison for years and years. He had to deal with all the emotions that he had to dealt with deal with because of the pain that came into his life because of his brothers. But God turned that around. And because Joseph had the plan that would save Israel, that would save his people, then the end result was that thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people received food in a time when no one else had any. Because God used Joseph to lay back the resources that he needed in that moment. Listen, some of you have a gift in you that God has provided you that you've never fully tapped into or used. You've just been setting it on the side. You just, you're, you're talented. You have ability. You have everything that you need to bless other people. But you are so thoughtful of your own needs that you can't release your anointing and release your gift because you're too concerned about yourself. Is that okay? I'm not trying to be mean, but it's a reality. If God has anointed you, and bless you, then you've got to use it for his glory. Listen, my wife is one of those people that if she could just go back in a room somewhere and and not have to do some of the things that she has to do, she would be much more comfortable. Her brother, David, she and her brother traveled together when they were young, but when they first started, She had the ability to play the piano and that kind of thing and sing, but she didn't really want to do it. She just wanted to go with David and be a support and all that. And David would say, I want you to sing this song tonight. I don't know that song. Learn it. You can do it. She'd play, and she started playing. She started playing in front of people. She started playing and then singing. And listen, if you're not a musician, let me just tell you, it's a whole nother thing to just play, but then to have to sing as well. 
Man, you need to pat people like that on the back because it's tough to play and sing at the same time. But she began to stretch herself. She was telling me not long ago about how that her mother or another uh, person in the church played the organ. Back in the days when we had those B3 Hammonds, you know, and the Leslie speakers and all that, I mean, they were out. I wish I had one right now. If we had one, I'd set it right up here, and she'd play that thing, and let me tell you, she'd think, you'd think that she, she'd been playing it her whole life. It's because she has been. But their organ player couldn't play anymore. So her mother in church one day said, Donna, get up there and play the organ. And Donna said, I don't know how to play the organ. I've never played the organ in my, I can't play the organ. And her mom looked at her and said, get up there and play the organ. And she got up there and she started playing. You know, it's got two keyboards. Organ does one up here and one down here. She'd play and then she'd, she added this. And she never even touched the pedals at first, I don't think. But then she got, got the real Holy Ghost on her. And you know how they do? They kick their shoe off and throw it off to the side. And they start going all over the place with that and say, let me tell you something. You ain't lived until you've heard Sister Donna play a Hammond B3. But she could have said, no, I can't do that. She could have said, that's not possible. She could have said, that makes me uncomfortable. She could have said all those things. But when her mama said, you get up there and play the organ, she said, yes, ma'am. And she got up there, and the Holy Spirit came all over her and taught her how to play an organ that she was uncomfortable in playing. And because of that, she has literally been able to play and sing from coast to coast in the United States of America because God has used a gift that was in her a long time ago. I'm telling you, if God has placed a gift in you, he has called you to steward at that gift. Some of you God has given money to, but you've come to a place in your life so you're so afraid of what the economy might do and so afraid that you might run out of money before you die that you just kind of hang on to it. If anybody asks you for any, it's like, I don't know if I can do that or not. But we've got people in this church that all you got to do is take an offering. They say, man, God has blessed me so abundantly. How could I not give liberally with what God has blessed me with? What I'm saying to you is that if Joseph had said, uh-uh, I'm mad. I'm angry at God. I'm angry at my brothers. My dad hasn't come to visit me. My dad doesn't even know I'm alive. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. Somebody needs to go call Dr. Phil so that he can come and talk to me. Because I can't get all, oh, I can't get over all this. Then some woman tried to seduce me and got me in this prison. And he could have lived his whole life feuding with God and feuding with people. But instead, he chose to be the vessel that, called, that God had called him to be. And because of it, God brought gain out of his pain. Let me tell you something. Some of you are hurting. Some of you are going through some tough stuff. But let me tell you something. God is getting ready to give you a testimony that is going to change lives around you. Because when you come through this difficulty and you are able to share the testimony of what God has done, other people are going to be changed because of you. His pain had perspective. Now, this is an important point, point, so I want you to listen really good right now. When we're experiencing pain, we need to take a long, eternal look at our pain. And we need to put it in the context of eternity. Because there are things that may happen negatively in our lives as we're living out life that really won't matter much to us when eternity comes. I, I've counseled and talked to parents, I don't know how many times through the years, about children that have gotten away from the Lord. It seemed as though their whole life, their whole life was a mess. But somehow I've 
been privileged to be in the room with some of those children when in the very last moments of their lives they repented of their sin and they asked the Lord to restore them to their salvation experience. And you know what happens when you're a parent and you're in a room and you see your child dying and ultimately die? You know, you forget about the pain and you forget about the difficulty when they say, Jesus, forgive me for my life and for the way that I lived it. It's one of the greatest joys of ministry for me to be able to walk into the room when someone is dying and they've not been serving the Lord. And I say something to them like this. Did you talk to your lawyer? Yeah, it's because it was important. Did you talk to your family? Sure you did. It's because it's important. Did you talk to your doctors and tell them what you wanted in this end-of-life moment? Do you want this kind of treatment or do you not want that kind of treatment? Yeah, you did because it's important. I'm the preacher, and I'm in the room right now to ask you, have you talked to God about where you are right now in your life? Because let me tell you, more important than talking to your lawyer and more important than talking to your doctor and more important than talking to your wife or your husband is that you need to take just a moment and have a little talk with Jesus. And if you don't know how to do that, I can help you with that conversation, but it needs to come from your heart. But the good news is uh, that he won't cast anyone away, but if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you can be saved even in this moment. Because eternity matters. When we get into eternity, the things that we spent so much time worrying about aren't going to matter at all. Well, I was mad at that dude. Big deal. Are you saved? Are they saved? That's what's important. Have you forgiven them? Have you given them the opportunity? You know what? I was just thinking this week. We've lost the ability to do what I'm about to tell you that some of you need to do. The Bible says that we come to the altar of God and we bring our gift to God. And there we remember that someone has ought against you. You're supposed to leave that gift at the altar and go to that person and make things right. So uh, they, they're the one who started it. They're the one who should come to me. I'll forgive them if they'll come to me. I'll forgive them if they'll just say all the right things. That's not what the Bible says for us to do. It says you go before the throne of God and you there remember somebody's upset with me. Some, I keep pointing at Donna. I don't mean to do that. It's not, it, it's just a, I don't know. I, as far as I know, we're on good terms, right? Thank God. It says, leave your gift there at the altar and go to that person. Let me just use her because I don't know of anybody else that's mad at me until after church, and then it, it'll be a different story. You're supposed to go to that person. You're supposed to say, hey, is there anything between us? Because something doesn't feel right. Something seems, you know, I, and, and, and if I've done anything, I want you to forgive me, and then you're supposed to say, I'll forgive you then. Thank you. Thank you. And then what? The Bible says after I've taken the initiative to do that, I'm now free to go back to the altar of God and pick up my gift and say, oh God, thank you for what you've done for me. I could never experience the freedom and the liberty that I currently have in my spirit if it weren't for you. And if you had not brought that up to my mind, listen, there are some of you today Listen to your pastor well. You're never going to get through the blockages in your life until you are willing to, at the altar of God, examine your heart and examine your life and recognize that there may be some people that you need to go to and say, listen, it feels like to me that things aren't exactly as they should be. And if I've wronged you, I apologize and I'm sorry. And once that relationship is healed, 
then you can come dancing into the altar, not so that people can see you, but because you will experience a level of freedom that you've not known in a long time. And God will bring gain into our lives. The Bible says that when we look at pain through the lens of eternity, it will become as a momentary light affliction. (laughs) Sometimes we just get, oh God. I just can't do it. I can't do it. It's just too heavy. And we live life every day just like that. I don't know if I can it or not. I'm going to go to church today, but I sure hope the preacher doesn't preach anything that will challenge me or that will lift me up or that will encourage me. I hope he's just short-winded. And we can get in there and get out of there in a hurry. I don't know if I can make it or not. The Bible says that if we look at our pain and our difficulty and we look at it through the lens of eternity, it will become to us like a momentary and light affliction. You know what that's like? It's like a mosquito getting on your skin. You're sitting out trying to enjoy, you know, your deck and nice, and then here comes this little mosquito, and it just comes over here, and he bites us, and he draws blood and all that kind of stuff, and we smack him, and then it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to do something. I got to have medicine. I tell you, mosquito bit me. Oh. And two or three days later, somebody said, I heard about your travesty, that a mosquito bit you. And then it's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. It's true, it did. Over here, I don't even feel it anymore. It's not even, it's no big deal. I mean, he didn't get enough blood to, to put me down and out. It was just a momentary and light affliction. And when Joseph looked at his life through the lens of eternity, even though it was the majority of his life, he was able to say, what you meant for evil, my God turned it around for good, and many are blessed because of the pain that I've experienced. And then finally today, come help me quit if you will. God will cause character to grow out of your pain. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. Character. Joseph had character. He had the authority. He had the ability where he could have inflicted revenge had it not been for his integrity. Had it not been for his character. But because he was a man of God filled with the Spirit of God He was able to do what needed to be done in the moment it needed to be done. A few weeks ago, I was planting some flowers. You know, they kept telling us this year, don't don't worry about the horses. You know, we never in Kentucky plant until after the horses run. You know that, right? But then they kept saying it could freeze, it could frost. I'd wait another week. I'd wait another week. I'd wait another day. And finally, Mark Mark Weinberg said, it's okay to plant. Go ahead. Jude Redfield in the morning says, today would be a great day to plant. Go ahead. So we planted some flowers. We were walking in from somewhere the other day, and Donna looked down at the flowers that were in the pot, and they were beautiful. I mean, they really looked nice, but 
<clears throat> but one of them, what are those called that are in the pots? Yeah, geraniums, thank you. One of the geraniums had either gotten hit by a dog or one of us walking by or whatever, and there was one, one stem with the flower, beautiful, at the top. And it was like this. You ever had a day like that? Be in the midst of beautiful people. Everybody's standing tall, and there you are. She picked it up. She's going to throw it away. I said, let me have that. I said, maybe we can reroute that thing. We took it inside and got a jar of water, and we stuck it down in there and just kind of forgot about it. It looked good for several days. And then one day I thought, I'm going to check it. I went over and I picked that flower, that geranium, up out of that jar. And man, I'm telling you, there were roots everywhere. They were just going here and there and everywhere. And I thought, <laughs> what do I do now? So I went out on the back porch and I had, I had a pot that didn't have anything in it. And I dug a little hole and I stuck it down in there. Do you know that that thing is doing great? And it is producing more flowers and more leaves all because it was rerouted. And can I tell you today that God can reroute you? You may be feeling just like this today. You may be going through something in your life that just prevents you from being able to pull it together and rise up again. But I'm telling you that if you will turn your pain over to God, He can reroute you. And He can produce character and integrity in you. God is sovereign. And He is able to do what needs to be done. Will you stand with me this morning?